Hi, my name is Jackie. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 8. I play hard because that's how I do everything. I always push myself to be the best that I can be. Type 1 diabetes does not stop me from doing the things that I like to do. I'm here today with Mandy Marcourt. Mandy is an 18-time U.S. national champion track cyclist and a three-time American record holder. She rides for the USA Cycling National Team in Team Novo Nordisk, the world's first all-diabetes professional cycling team. Hi, Mandy. Welcome to the Team 1D podcast. I saw your post on Twitter about competing in the Elite Track Nationals this weekend. Can you tell us in which events you're going to compete in? Yeah, absolutely. And really nice to meet you, Jackie. Thanks for having me on your podcast. And it's awesome to have type 1 diabetes in common. So yeah, I'm really um, looking forward to racing nationals this weekend, July 15th through the 18th here at my home track in Brandingsville, Pennsylvania. Can you explain to our audience like what your competition will be based off of and what events you're in? Absolutely. So I'm a track sprint cyclist, so I'm not riding the Tour de France or riding really long miles. What I do is really short and explosive um, on the velodrome. So I'm a sprinter, pretty much like track and field, have endurance, and then they have the sprinters. So I'm a sprinter on the bike and I race on a fixed gear bike that has no brakes. And the banking is kind of like similar to like NASCAR, right? You're kind of going only turning left. And this banking is not as aggressive, but when we go on indoor tracks, um, there are 250 meters where this one I'm racing at is 333 meters and it's outdoor concrete where typically I'm racing on an indoor wooden 250 meter track, which is like 45 degrees. Oh, wow. Um, Keep pedaling so you don't slide off, but here it's not as steep. So it's pretty much like a power track. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to race the four sprint events, which is the 500 meter time trial. And that's pretty much just a standing start as fast as you can, a lap and a half around our track. And then the Kirin is where you have six riders. That's the most amount of people we'll have on the track. We're going to be following a motorcycle. And then that motorcycle brings us up to speed. So hopefully on Friday, you'll be able to see that race um, at the velodrome. And then it's pretty much like a drag race. The first person who crosses the line wins. And it's a lot of tactics, actually, because you don't want to be that front rider just like leading people out. Um, you know, And then you're going to end up blowing up and being tired, right? So it's a really about gauging your speed. And then in the sprints, um, we have to do a 200 meter qualification and that seeds us into a sprint tournament. And then we start racing people. So like our qualification time is really important. And then we start racing people one-on-one. So we go really slow and it's all about tactics where you're really just trying to get that person up to speed and get them tired. So you're the first person across the line. Also, it just depends who you're racing against fastest, you know, versus slowest. And as you bracket through, you're going to end up racing somebody that's more your speed. So it's really important not to make any mistakes there. And then the team sprint event is really cool. It's, it's a team event of uh, three three riders, which in the past it's always been two, but now it's three. That's just pretty much the first rider does one lap, brings you up to speed. Second rider, you know, does the second lap. And then the third rider does the third lap. So it's really just you against the clock and the fastest team wins. So it's four long events over four days. And I'm really excited. How many people will be competing during this four day period? 
So it's junior and elite track nationals. So you're going to have the best juniors and the best elite riders, um, male and female from all over the country coming here to compete. I really don't even know the numbers, but I think we have about 20 in our field, which is really good. There's so much equipment that's involved and it's, it's a very technical sport, but there's always somebody there that can help you from a bike shop to lend, you know, borrowing a bike to really get started in the sport. So I feel like it could be really intimidating at first, but there's always somebody there to help you. Cool. And I'm sure you know a whole bunch of people like once you start participating in it and once you get into this level too. Yeah, Are- it is. It's really fun. It's a small community. I was named to the Olympic long team and unfortunately I, I wasn't selected for the final Olympic team, but I was really close. Um, I'm an alternate and I'm here training and we have the world championships coming up in October and the next Olympic Games is three years away. So I'm just continuing to train and, and race and it's been tough this whole year not being able to race. So it's I'm happy it's starting again. All of that is so amazing though, still just being able to reach that high level in general is so important impressive. Thanks. It's taken a long time. And I, I train with a lot of younger athletes too. And I just saw them keep putting in the work because consistency is key and getting that exposure to international racing is really important, right? So you like, you get to travel and race with people that are better than you and you really get to see where you're at. And I think that's, that's really important. That's what helped me in the sport to get experience. Cool. Cool. All right. Let's go back a little bit. Where are you from originally? Like, where did you grow up? I was born in Mannheim, Germany. My dad is German. My mom is actually American. And I lived there until I was six. And it was actually my first language. And then we went over to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, because that's where my mom is originally from. We moved there when I was about six, seven. And I started getting into athletics then, just swimming, running, because they wanted me to be active. Cool. So when did you start cycling? I was uh, 10 years old. So I was swimming, running, playing tennis. I was super active. And I was just kind of burned out um, with tennis because I had a stress fracture in my foot. Yeah, it was just a difficult time. I was actually also a lot bigger than I was. And I was playing with, uh, you know, tennis against other girls um, that were a little older than me. So I think at that point, too, I didn't really know a lot about recovery and nutrition so well. So maybe that kind of sparked that injury. But um, I started cycling and just really loving it at 10. I started on the velodrome because it was a safe place for me to ride. And the only velodrome in Florida was actually 20 minutes from our house. My dad Googled it and it just so happened. I learned how to ride competitively at the velodrome in Brian Piccolo in Cooper City, Florida. And I just loved it. And then I competed at the nationals about a year later and was successful. And I just was like, this is so cool. Wow. That's such a quick turnaround from a year later. You're already competing in nationals. Yeah, it was. I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but I just <laughs> went off the front and I just, I was competing in the 10, 12 age group, which is so cool. Cause like there's a few girls now today that are still competing as well. And it's just funny to look back at some photos of us competing then and us still being in it now really just shows like our progression in the sport and how far we've come. Can you describe the kind of cycling you do? Is it true that there's no brake on your bike? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like I mentioned, it's track cycling, so there are no brakes. And it's actually a bit safer that way because then you don't have people slamming on their brakes. So you put some pressure on the on the pedals um, when you start pedaling. It starts when you kind of spin the the pedals, they just keep going, but you have to put some pressure on, right? So you can't backpedal necessarily. So yeah, you have to put a lot of 
of pressure um, onto the pedal and it just slows you down. Also, when you go up track, it slows your speed. So there's a lot of technical things on a velodrome. So it's learning bike handling skills, bike technique, um, as far as pedaling and in our sport too, it's really important to be aerodynamic. So you have all these things into play, equipment. We have to change our own gears. So I get to be like my own mechanic, but at the major competitions, we have our mechanics that do our bikes and everything and set it all up. So all we have to do is focus on race day. But yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to track cycling, but it's a really fun sport. We reach up to speeds at about 45 miles an hour. We just hit that top speed. We don't actually maintain it the whole way through, but those are some pretty fast speeds and it's quite the adrenaline rush. You talked about the whole way through. How long is a typical race? The longest race that we do have is the Kieran. So it's six laps. So it's three laps behind the motorcycle. And then the motorcycle brings us up to speed. And then it's six girls like lined up because you have to pretty much draw. Like you take uh, a number and wherever you you get, say, two, you have to be in position two. So then you line up on the track. And then when the motor comes, you get the motor and you have to be in position two. And so you're pretty much all lined up. Just like it's like the anticipation is rising because the motor is getting faster and faster. And then the motor pulls off and some. Sometimes the speed slows down, but then you're creating those gaps, you know, because if like in race car driving, if you're too close to the car, you're not going to get that slipstream of, you know, the vehicle. You're pretty much then stacked up next to the rider, behind the rider, and then you have other people too. So you have to give yourself space and racing room. And that becomes really technical because like, what if someone's fast behind you, right? Or what if they're in front of you? So it becomes really technical and it's three laps of pretty much cat and mouse of like, okay, six people, who's going to make the move? And if you make the move, it doesn't always mean you're to win because somebody could just nip you at the line and get a photo finish so it's tactical and then the sprints are yeah they're uh they're three laps it's pretty slow the first lap because you're just kind of you don't want to lead them out so there's a lot of technical things in track cycling but we train a lot in the gym to be able to pedal and move some pretty big gears um, on the bike you know slower rpm so we have to spend a lot of time in the gym to build the strength and foundation so strength training is a big part of what i do as well do you have any siblings no, I don't. I'm the only okay. I had a lot of cousins growing up. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool. You've met a lot of people in the sport, and you make a lot of friends. And like my fiance right now, he is also a cyclist, and it's just it's so we're both competing. He's actually coming out of retirement for nationals, so that's oh, that's so cool. So it's cool to be out there to train today together. Um, he has his events that he's competing in, and I have mine. So. Yeah. So how old were you when you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and where were you at the time? I was 16 years old and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I was living in Germany. I actually moved back there when I was 15 because my parents had split when I was 14. And I really just wanted to get some exposure to international racing. So I was like, I really want to move to Germany and race. And I really got the opportunity to do that and live there with my father. And I was riding for the state because in Germany, you ride for your state and then you compete for your the country. So I was riding for the state and we were doing some routine blood work and testing and, you know, where you wear the oxygen thing and you kind of test yeah. aerobically um, at that time. I was an endurance rider actually back then. So I switched to sprinting about like 21, 22 years old. So that was quite a transition to from that. But yeah, I was diagnosed there and I did not see it coming. Yeah, I had a really good test and they just told me I had elevated blood sugar levels. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't even know what the number meant. I just was like, okay, I hope it goes away. Does anyone else in your family have type one or is it just completely out of nowhere? Like never heard of it at all? 
Yeah, my grandfather though had type two. So I mean, I was aware of all those sugar packets that he had when I was younger and I would just eat them like candy, not thinking of it. And I was like, did I do that from eating too much, too many of those dextrose tablets or whatever? But um, yeah, I didn't see it coming at all. And I spent two weeks actually at the hospital with my dad and they just made sure all my organs and everything were still functioning and all good. So yeah, and from there, I just learned how to ride again and take one step at a time. Did you ever think that it would threaten your ability to compete or ride in general? Yeah, that's a really good question. I did. I had a doctor actually tell me that I would never be able to compete at a high level in my sport. I was so crushed. It was really difficult because I was like, I wanted to be so good and, you know, go to junior world championships then. And that was just like the goal is just like, be really good and get to the next goal. But it kind of just had me reset and think about like, okay, I need to really take care of my health in order for me to like perform on a, on the bike and just feel good. But it took me a while. I went through some denial stages. I was like, okay, I really want to do the journey. German nationals again. Cause I did that before I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. I had a bronze medal. And then I was like, okay, I want to see where I'm at. And I just want to like ride again and, and find that happy place on the bike. And my dad found some really good doctors about my nutrition and just my diabetes management. And I was like, okay, I got to get this under control. And I just focused on like nationals and I actually surprised myself. And I was third, I took bronze in the same event. So I did that without diabetes. And now I did that with diabetes and I knew it can only get better. Um, but it was going to be really challenging but I did it. So how do you like take care of yourself with it? Do you use shots, a pump or like a closed loop system or is there a different way that you handle it? Yeah. So racing on team Nova Nordisk, they, the men's pro team, they're racing all over the world. And I know from speaking with them and even the CEO of my team, Phil Sutherland, he has type one diabetes. So We've all, you know, had our discussions about what we use and some are in pumps, some use injections, but I've found what works for me working with a diabetes endocrinologist on our team, Charlotte. I really like injections. It's just for me more manageable, even when I'm traveling different time zones to just control my diabetes a bit better. And also I use a continuous glucose monitor, which is really helpful. Like if I'm training and racing and traveling, or I can just quickly check my blood sugar on my phone. So all those tools have been really helpful and I've been really lucky. Yes, I have a Dexcom too, and I just love it for the practicality of it that I'm able to see my number anywhere I go. Right? I love that. I think that's so cool. It's just, it's really helpful. Like when I'm training, especially or I'm racing, I can just take care of it right then and there. Were either of your parents concerned about you competing after you were diagnosed or were they ready to have you just go right back into it? They didn't really express to me that they were concerned. Maybe they were, but they were just really supportive. And I know with some of the research that I did was like exercise was going to be really the best thing. Okay. When you bring in intensity in there, that's going, that's when your blood sugars go crazy. Right. So it's just learning how to manage your diabetes and they're just really supportive. So I really had to learn how to manage my stress over the years, like my race stress or my training stress. So the workload that I have, I trained about 30 to 35 hours a week. So back then it was just like taking my time learning and figuring out what works and through trial and error. But now I've really fine-tuned it and I'm always still making some corrections, but they're really supportive and they have been since day one. When you were training and you were going to the 30 to 35 hours a week, did you have a normal high school that you went to or was there an online program or different program that you participated in? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I wasn't as focused on cycling as much. I mean, I was competing nationally and locally, but I was also running cross country and doing other things too. I wasn't probably training as much then, but then when I graduated um, high school, I wanted to come to Penn State Lehigh Valley up here in Pennsylvania and it's a branch campus, Commonwealth. So you have main campus 
and Pennsylvania State University. And then you have a smaller campuses around Pennsylvania. So I went to the one closest to the Veldrum. I used to actually race here when I was younger and I just fell in love with it. I raced collegiately and raced a lot at the Veldrum here because then we'd get a lot of international riders that would come. And so we were able to, yeah, just have that experience and exposure to international racing. So I just kind of learned how, what, what worked and also just switching my discipline from endurance to sprint was really challenging, but I knew when I graduated college that I was like, all right, I'm going to focus on my cycling career now. And in 2014, started racing for the national team. And it's just been every year since, but I'm actually going back to school in the fall. I'm doing Penn State uh, MBA program online. So I'll take one class at a time alongside my training schedule. And yeah, I think that's important. Definitely. So what did you major in while you were at Penn State? I majored in business management and marketing, which has been really useful in my career so far with leveraging sponsorships and just my own media. Cycling is not a very sponsorship driven sport, but I think it's important to be able to expose yourself in a way of like getting your name out there, letting people know about how cool the sport is, and also to be able to inspire other people who have diabetes or any other medical condition that they're able to do what what they'd love to do still. Did you ever like shy away from talking about diabetes or type one in general, or were you always open about it? So I joined Team Nova Norisk in 2010, and I went to camp there in Georgia. And there's all these other type one athletes and cyclists and on the team, because back then we had mountain biking, um, as well as road cycling. And so one of the very few track cyclists there too, but it was just being in a room full of people with type one diabetes. I've never had that. And I thought that was so cool. And then we were uh, separated in these groups and then had to share story kind of just it was like media training so like you know when we go to a school we talk about our story and I remember just hearing everybody else and comparing like how good they shared their story and just like it was just pretty much fresh I was still newly diagnosed maybe a year or two which is like still overwhelming and I just remember just leaving the room because I'm like all right I'm gonna go to the bathroom and everyone just crying and calling my mom like I can't do this I can't talk about it it's so embarrassing and then after a while I realized like how important it is to open up and share your story the impact you know the team that we've made over the years and I've been on the team 11 years and it's it's it inspires me too hearing all the other stories and people that I meet around the world with type 1 diabetes it's so cool it's it's definitely an inspiring and supportive community is it ever hard to train knowing that it'll like affect your blood sugar Sometimes, sometimes I, it's, they're not going to stop a race if my blood sugar is high or low. So I just have to do the best that I can leading up to the race too, and manage my stress level and um, just know that I'm doing the best that I can, that I have the resources um, right in my hand, but I can't be upset if my blood sugar is not in a range that I want it to. And I've won races too, high, low, it's difficult, but it's definitely a not impossible for me to to do that. It's just, it's all just also some mental stuff. So I think that's important. So I've read that you are the whole, a holder of a set of world records. How does that make you feel? And could you explain those a little bit? I wish I was the record holder in, in world records, but... I'm American records. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, but I love to hold a, a world record someday. Um, but yeah, having three national records, all with type 1 diabetes is pretty awesome. Definitely proved to myself that, you know, what I'm capable of, um, not just as an athlete, but an athlete with type 1 diabetes. And I'm definitely proud of that at the end of the day 
really, I'm doing the best that I can with my diabetes management, to my nutrition, to my sleep, to a sports, you know, meeting with a sports psychologist. There's so many details to it. And I think at a young age, I wasn't that fine tuned, which is okay. I think over the years, I learned how important that is. And just knowing I'm at this like top level in my sport and every detail does matter. So you've won 18 national championships. Can you talk about your first championship and then maybe talk about one of your last ones just to compare and contrast them? They're so different because I won my first national title when I was 11 on the road and it was in the road race and the time trial. Actually, sorry, it was in the, I won three medals, two which were gold and one which was silver, which was my first national. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. But um, yeah, I was on the road then and now I'm at the track. So the last time I competed at nationals was in 2019. Due to the pandemic, there was no nationals in 2020. But um, in 2019, I won three uh, national titles and that was really awesome. Um, going into that year, it was a really important year because to qualify for the Olympics, we we qualify as a nation. So we don't qualify individually. So it's just important to do well at nationals, then go to the Pan American Championships, and then do a season of World Cups. And so I was, I was in peaking for nationals. I was just training through it. So be, to be able to be competitive and not have that be my focus was really great. And I'm really excited for this nationals of being at home and my parents both being here. My mom moved here from Florida a few years ago, and my dad's here from Germany to visit. So it's really special to have them both here. It sounds like it. You talked about the pandemic affecting the last nationals being canceled. Has that infected your training in any way? Or Yeah, it was a challenging time. It was difficult with the pandemic just because I wasn't on a velodrome. I was usually in the winter, I'm traveling with the national team and racing all over the world. But no, I was home, which was great. It was, it was great being home with my fiance and our animals and just getting fine tuning a lot of things with my diabetes again. But thankfully, we have a gym here in our home. We have a squat rack and we have a walk bike, which is a, a tool that we use. It's like a Peloton, but not. There's more resistance, so I can sprint on it without feeling like I'm going to fall off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's those are the tools that I needed to get, get through the winter and being with my team, um, our small group and training in our little bubble. Um, but yeah, it was challenging not to have raced. And then in Hong Kong, I raced. Uh, it was a Nations Cup, which is a World Cup for the national team in May. And I hadn't raced since the World Championships in March of 2019. So it was like 15 months since I last raced. Yeah, I was definitely nervous. My blood sugars told me, reminded me <laughs> how nervous I am. Yeah, just getting back to racing and having nationals. And then there's some international racing happening here and then the world championships in October. So there's there's a lot to look forward to. Have you had any type one related issues while traveling like internationally? I know you've talked about living in Germany and you that your father lives there. But I mean, have you experienced any issues trying to get supplies both in other countries or has everything gone as planned there? Yeah, good, good question, right? It's like I've been on the road for three weeks to two months and half of my bag is usually food if I go to events. <laughs> And then I have to think about packing two bikes and then all this diabetes supplies. But I really overpack my diabetes supplies because I never want to be in a jam. Yeah, I've always been really prepared. There was one race. I was kind of on the fence of like, okay, I only have this much insulin left. And I was like, I'm headed home like tomorrow. I've learned from that. Like, I just have to be over prepared. And uh, thankfully, other than that, there's not been any troubles. Do you have a dietitian who like helps plan out your meals? I know you talked about that you had to learn more about nutrition or is that something that you handle all by yourself, figuring out what to eat just for the training purposes? 
Yeah, I've worked with a dietitian from the Olympic Training Center, and I also have worked closely with Charlotte Hayes. Um, she's our team dietitian and endocrinologist on our team, and she's really helped me fine-tune some things. I've also just, through trial and error, I've done like a food sensitivity test, like to decrease inflammation and things that like, you know, just kind of reading and adding more veggies in my diet or eating salad before I eat like steak or something, um, just kind of learning things learning different things and trying them on my own, just kind of what works. And I always try to eat consistently. So my blood sugars are more consistent and that really helps. So, cause if I go a long time without eating and then eat this heavy meal, then I'm, my blood sugars aren't going to be too friendly. So I think uh, having good nutrition and seeing my continuous glucose monitor has really helped. Do you have any advice for people with type one who may be looking to travel internationally soon, since some of the borders are opening up as the pandemic is slowing down? Yeah, personally, I, I mean, I traveled to Hong Kong in May and um, I would just, it was really, it was really important for me to wear my mask and have all those safety measures in place just because of being type one, our immune system is, is already compromised. So we have to just be safe and um, really the best we can do is just wear the mask and in places and just do your best to social distance. Um, kind of everybody's comfort level is different. So depends with traveling, how urgent it is like with the national team and traveling to an international competition, everything was pretty safe, like overly, even overly safe, but that's a good thing. I mean, we uh, couldn't leave our rooms. We had food delivered. Like it was like one of those. So it was, it was sad. Cause you're like, it's fun going to these competitions and going to the buffet and like eating what you want and, you know, mingling with all the riders and like, Hey, how are you? But didn't really have that experience. So yeah, just to definitely be careful, but uh, it's exciting to travel again. As we close out, what general advice do you have just for people who are athletes or people with type one in general? Just to stay consistent, you know, if things aren't always working out, make some short-term goals, long-term goals. And really the most important thing is for me in my career is just being consistent. And that's shown in my diabetes management day to day. It's not just one day, it's everything leading up to the race that I do in order to have a great competition, whether, you know, really the simple things, sleep, nutrition, stress, like just managing all those things, just keeping it simple and staying consistent has really resulted in, in a lot of good things. And also having balance, you know, to once in a while then enjoy a small soft serve or hanging out with some friends. Or I think that's, it's really important to be balanced and uh, not be too hard on yourself, but know what the goal is that you have in mind and just every day you show up and you do the best that you can. Thank you for that. And just as we close out, what do you do in your free time or when you're not racing? <laughs> Mostly recovering. I train a lot of double days. So playing with the dogs, doing laundry, doing house stuff. I feel like there's always something to do when you have a home. But I'm also starting my MBA in the fall, which I'm really excited about just doing one class at a time. And uh, kind of nervous because I'm like, it will, I'll have to manage my time, but it's good. I'll have some downtime. So I'll be able to read and attend some zoom um, classes but um also i'm part of the penn state alumni association at school and just staying connected and involved there so kind of keeping things um simple and and also it's good to have something other than the bike always in mind um to get my mind off of that but uh yeah that's that's pretty much my life <laughs> all right thank you so much for agreeing to be on this podcast and for being here today this is all that we have scheduled for today, but thank you so much for listening. And that's all. See you next time. Bye.